Okay, everybody, welcome to Investing with IBD, sponsored by Market Smith. Today is March 11, 2020, and it is our one-year anniversary of the podcast. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and with me in the studio today is Scott O'Neill. Scott is the CEO of Data Analysis Incorporated, and IBD is part of Data Analysis Incorporated. Scott O'Neill is also the son of Bill O'Neill, who is the founder of all of the O'Neill organizations and the creator of the CanSlim investment system and also one of the great growth investors of all time. Thanks for being here, Scott. Glad to be here. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current market. We will talk about protecting your confidence in the markets, and then we will end the episode uh, with some stories about Bill O'Neill and how he handled the correction. So let's get into the current market, and it shouldn't be a surprise right now. We are in a correction. It is extremely volatile. Uh, we are most likely, we're, we're approaching bear market territory if we're not, uh, if we haven't hit it yet. And the markets, once again, uh, were down over 4% today. And as in a really bad market, we continue to lose more leading stocks. Scott, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on this market? Yeah. Uh, well, the first thing I'd be asking myself is when did I back away and at what rate? Um, and so get out a Marcus Smith chart, daily chart, and just look, plot it. What percent you were winding down, how quickly? Uh, these are the types of markets, you don't get them very often, but when you get breaks like this, you do not want to be in the market. It's, it's very clear. I, growing up, I heard numerous times, there are times we do not want to be in the market, quote. Um, and then you're obviously waiting for a follow-through day, which, Arusha, you'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and then the other question would really be um, in post-analyzing how you handled the last two weeks, uh, how concentrated were you? Because remember, it was running up very nicely, January, February, even uh, actually around the uh, somewhere in October, I think, October, November. So we had a pretty good run. Yeah. And so everyone's probably in fairly deep. I mean, we were, right? And then, of course, you're doing the simple math of how much give back did you have. Yeah, and and one, one thing that we learned from you years ago is you look to see if, uh, and using an analogy here with the athlete, if, a, if the athlete has sprained uh, their ankle or is it broken? Oh, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. I would just say, did she break her ankle or sprain? And if she broke it, it's going to be a longer mending time. And, and that's probably what we have here. The only interesting thing about this break is, and, and part of this is my opinion, it, it's completely uh, because of social media and the news. And I, I would look at actual statistics a little bit but with that said there's there's a lot of events being canceled um, so I think a lot of people are feeding into this but there's one interesting aspect on this break in particular look at the backdrop of the American economy mm -hmm. and where it's at now clearly there's going to be a ripple effect Okay, if, if no one's going to a restaurant, that restaurant's going to experience some, some problems. 
But in general, you have an extremely strong economy. Most companies, if you ask the executives, they are out looking for people, okay? They've got uh, openings. So to me, that's a, a very healthy, constructive aspect of what's going on right now. Now, it's very painful, and, and every all of our customers should be on the sidelines. Um, but I do think that will make this break a shorter in duration, but I'm getting ahead of us. No, I no, think. no, 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 don't. Uh, and, and now let's let's talk about one thing here with with amateurs because uh, when you're new to the markets and and especially if this is your first major correction or even potential bear market, uh, it's a little shocking at how quickly you can lose money. And when you're new, your first instance is, I want to make that money back. And uh, what, what, what's your advice on that? That's a great point. So it's all psychology, right? We, we, we all know that. So I remember uh, Bill telling me one time, you know, Scott, it was not the first break in 29 that got everyone. It was the second break. And if you think back to uh, the bubble in March of 2000, the market broke, but it also gradually then came back. And then the second break in September was really the devastating break. And the same thing happened in 29. Well, who are those people and what is their thought process? It's just what you said, Arusha. I'm going to get my money back, so I'm going to go in more aggressive, heavier, and they're the ones that end up getting run over and blow up portfolios. In 55 years, our company has never blown up a portfolio. And, it's ha and the company still has the same guy's name on the front door. Yep. Okay, that's because there are times when we have to get defensive and not argue with. That was another thing growing up. I heard constantly arguing with the market. You're going to get killed. Do not argue with the market. Now, when, when Bill started the company 50-plus years ago uh, with, with William O'Neill and company, and, and he, the brokerage firm was uh, shared, shared a, a, a street with a lot of other brokerage firms, right? That's correct. And now, since then— They're gone. <laughs> Is that where you're going? Short, yes, exactly. Short, short and sweet. Either they went out of business— or they ended up uh, getting mer merging uh, with someone else. I think the point here, Arusha, is how did Bill come up with this follow-through day system, distribution day system, and all of that? Uh, because, very simply, he figured out quickly that the market has a huge influence on your stock, that it doesn't ultimately, the market doesn't care how great that stock is, that company is, their earnings, their sales, their product. If the market trend is down, the majority of stocks go down. And so that's why he always said to us PMs, I do not want you shorting in a bull market and we need to back away when we're in a bear market. And think about your own trading. Um, during a bear market, you, you have five stocks. You'd be lucky if one goes up, the other four go down. So where are you? You're probably still experiencing slippage, right? So get the trend right. That was the critical first thing. Get the wind at your back, and that's the distribution day, follow-through day system. Yep, and, and so... You for the professionals, they first manage their risk. They're always knowing what their risk is before 
even making that trade. Now, when you're on the sidelines or after you protect yourself, since we're in this major correction right now, this is what we're looking for. We are looking for a follow today. We're looking for the market to give us a signal that we potentially could be coming out of this. We potentially could be uh, going in an uptrend. Scott, do you want to uh, describe the follow through day uh, concept uh, a little bit? Well, here, one thing I want to tell everyone that I heard numerous times um, from my father, and that was when you're in this situation, you want the averages the the index is to undercut something and so in looking at the next area and i'm looking at the nasdaq and you have a prior low of uh 760 7, uh, 7662 yep 76.62 thank you i didn't say that too well and then 7700 is another one and I would think we probably undercut that. Now, if we get down to 7292, that's, that's pretty bad, unfortunately. But undercut something is a good rule of thumb. And, and it's all back to psychology. You're shaking more weak holders out once you undercut. Now, what was the question? Yeah, so so we, we've shaken out the weak holders. Now, the the nice thing is that we're 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 protecting ourselves. We're on the sidelines. Follow through day. What what? Let, let's go over just the concept of what we're looking for uh, to give us an indication that maybe this market might be going up back into an uptrend. So I'll let you define it technically. Yeah, I I I think it helps people to understand the psychology of it, the mindset of it. What you're trying to do is gauge when the trend is changing from down to up. And if you get it right, you get it at its earliest point. And when your risk is slowly coming down. So the concept is if you watch how you could look at the current market, it will break for two, three, four days, and then it will have an up day. And then if it's really weak, like the current market, that up day closes at the low part of the range. These yep. are very important clues. That tells you that this market is incredibly weak. And in, in my humble opinion, you had four days down off the top. And on that fifth day that we lifted and closed at the low of the range, you should be out 100%, okay, um, on the long side. And so the follow-through day takes that into account. That's why when Arusha tells you that it has to occur on the fourth day, it's to avoid where you have multiple days down and then a couple of strong days up where what they're really doing is squeezing shorts and then it rolls back over and goes to a, a lower low. Um, yeah, Give them it, the definition. Yeah, so so what we're looking for, and, and you could look when you're, you're on the Marcus chart, if you're on the NASDAQ, you look on uh, February 28th. The first thing we do when we're in a correction, we look for an update. So February 28th, we had our first update. At that point, we start counting. And there are two things that can happen. Either you have a follow-through day or you undercut the low of that day number one or February 28th in this Which case. Which then negates your accounting. Exactly, then we reset the account. So in this case, we went up one, two, three, four, and then on the fourth day, which was March 4th, 2020, 
we had a pretty powerful day. If you're up at least 1.25% on a price level, that would qualify for a fall today. But there's one Which other key. we were up three-something percent. Exactly, 3.85%. But, but the key is you need to have volume higher than the day before. And we didn't because we had so much volume the day before. It was a pretty uh, large threshold. So we didn't call it a fall through day. Now, ask me why. Think of it this way, folks. The volume is the confirmation of conviction. So you're, you're trying to gauge brute strength. Does this really feel strong or is it kind of wimpy? And, and clearly it was the latter on that day. Now, you might have seen that in the morning for those of you that know this system very well and started nibbling and right. buying. Right. Okay, so Arusha, what do we do in that case? If you, if you try one thing at that point, then you have to back away. Uh, you, you have to realize, hey, we're not going to get the volume, and that's what we were watching very closely. Then you close out your positions. You have to protect yourself again. Yeah, but it was a stock I really, really like, and I wanted to get back in. <laughs> you still can like it, but you don't have to be invested at that point. Ah, good answer. <laughs> and, of course, the market rolled over. And usually when they fail, they fail hard. They don't fail subtly. Right. And, and so we undercut, and, and now you're starting, to see, you're, you're starting to see the brilliance of the system because we're not trying to get the bottom here. We're trying to put the odds in our favor, and we're trying to also remove as much noise as possible. You know, um, one of our institutional clients back in Boston handles a pretty large fund. Uh, I remember him telling me one time, I don't have to get the initial 10% all the time, Scott. I just want to get the bulk of the move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. If you miss, even if you miss the 20% at the bottom and the 20% at the top, and you have that 60% of the uptrend, you're going to do insanely well if you know how our system is and you know what the leading stocks are and you manage them well. Yes, absolutely. Now, so let's end this uh, segment of the episode about Scott, what are your opinions on whether you can time the market or not? Well, if you're an O'Neillite, you have strong opinions because so many people out there say, and you hear it in the media all the time, oh, well, you know you can't time the market. Uh, okay, fine. So uh, for those people that just put their head in the sand and did nothing, um, what are they thinking and how loud are they crying right now today? Uh, you can time the market. And what Arusha said just a second ago is very important. Look, we don't think we're the smartest people on the wor in the world, and we're not going to get the tops and the bottoms all the time. Once in a while, you get lucky here right. and there, but typically we're not. But if you can get the bulk of a market move and a, uh, the bulk of a stock move, then you're golden. So... There are times, like we just started with today, there are times you do not want to be in the market. And this is clearly one of those times. And if you're still in the market, A, you need to get out because you've got strong downward momentum. And then B, you want to analyze what was your thinking and why you held on. And, and you probably gave back uh, your gains on the year and hopefully you're not in the hole. Uh, look, we gave back gains. 
Okay, but you don't let this get in too deep to you. All right, because then it changes your psycholo- your thinking. Um, for instance, finally, when the follow through day occurs, if you've gotten completely run over, you're going to hesitate, you're going to wait, and you're going to miss a great opportunity to start waiting back in. Excellent. Yeah. So the market isn't in correction and we are on the verge of entering bear market territory. So respect it. Respect the trend. When the markets are volatile, don't be a hero. Be patient and wait for that next uptrend. So let's take a quick break. But when we return, we are going to talk about the importance of protecting your confidence in the market. Stay tuned. I am here with Scott St. Clair. Scott's one of our senior product coaches at MarketSmith. Now, Scott, there are a ton of publicly traded stocks just on the U.S. I think it's over 5,000 stocks. Who has the time to go through all these stocks and find the very best ones? Yeah, most people don't, right? So what you need is a tool like MarketSmith. We have decades of research on what makes a great winning stock. So we've done all the research for you. So we're going to try to highlight those specific stocks with those great data points. So if you're looking for that next great potential big winner, orange stock ideas button, you just click on it and you've got some of the main reports that we use, including the Growth 250. Yeah, and the Growth 250 is the first list that I go through on the weekends. Yeah, it's the most popular one, but there are others. There's the Breaking Out Today, Stocks Near a Pivot, and then the Blue Dot list, right, which is very popular. It's going to show you the stocks with the best relative strength. So we've done a lot of the work for you. What you have to do is review these lists. You're going to come up with some of the best ideas in that current market environment. Perfect. Mark Smith saves you time and makes investment research that much easier. For more information, go to Investors.com slash podcast 2020. Scott O'Neill is our guest on Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Okay, Scott, let's talk about protecting your confidence in the markets and Let's start off with respecting the trend and the odds not being in your favor. Okay. Well, respecting the trend is critical because what we do is uh, we're gauging probabilities, right? It's about risk assessment. And then what's the probability of a stock with a high relative strength and EPS going up versus a stock with a low EPS and et cetera, et cetera. That's why our database is so phenomenal because it saves you a a tremendous amount of time ferreting through to answer that question. So it's probabilities. Uh, 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 Another idea or, or concept on probabilities is how you wade back into the market right? And are you too aggressive? Are you too uh, timid? Um, And so there's a lot of psychology and it all comes down to this, folks. If you get run over and take a a hit of, say, 30% in your equity or even 40%, okay, you're going to be very off balance with your thinking Uh, That's why responding, you know the old saying, there's a quick and the dead? I heard that one um, (laughs) from Bill a lot. That's why you have to respond when you start to see the distribution days uh, picking up and especially if you break very hard off off the top. For instance, uh, an analogy I used in the seminars for years was boats don't have brakes. 
and you start to build this downward momentum, uh, it will continue on some. And so you know that looking at the MarketSmith chart, you can see these developing. Anyway, back to your question. So you back away and you keep, A, your powder dry, but B, more important than the money is what your thought process is. So now you're on the sidelines watching the action and it's negative and all. And then gradually you get a follow through day and there's your signal to start moving back in. Think about where you are mentally if you sidestep this entire uh, drop. What are we down now? 21% after yeah, today? Around there, yeah. Yeah. And it happened in two weeks. Bam, you blink and you either react or you got hurt. So we were on psychology. Yeah. So, well, well a couple things here. This is just these last two weeks are yet another reminder that anything can happen in the markets because this is I've been doing this for now for 20 years. This is the quickest that I've seen a markets go from a steady uptrend to a bear market or down 20 uh, percent. It, it is remarkable. It didn't even go sideways. It didn't, you know, just start to slow down. It just happened like that. Well, I remember growing up hearing, well, the market doesn't care who you are. It's true. It's going to do what it's going to do. <laughs> exactly. Now, talking about probabilities, and, and you mentioned down 30%, down 40%. If you're down 33%, it's gonna, you're going to need to make 50% on your next trade to, to just break even, or 33% on the portfolio, 50% on, on your portfolio to break even. What are the odds of that? Yeah, exactly. How many years do you make 50%? And so you're so deeply in the hole that now you start making more mistakes. That's why I keep going back to the psychology of all of this. If you let the market get into you hard, it's going to be very hard for you to A, get out of the hole, but B, to really do it right. And, and then, as you mentioned earlier, Rusha, the, well, I'm going to get my money back, those types. Right. They're the ones that get creamed. They're the amateurs that get pushed out of the whole, uh, out of the market completely. And they leave and go, ah, gee, maybe I ought to just go buy an apartment building and do real estate, right? Something right. like that. So you have to protect your thinking. That's very important. And respect and respect, respect risk. Now you have a, a a a story about surfing that you learned about risk and not respecting uh, oh. the waves. So why don't you share that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, during many summers, because uh, we're in Southern California, in summer it is pretty nice down at the beach. And when there were waves, I'd go down there and I'd body surf and and whatnot. And there's a beach up north in the Malibu area uh, called Zuma. And Zuma is a north-facing beach, which there are larger waves, basically, in result. Well, larger waves also mean more dangerous and faster, but, you know, I, I, I'm doing it pretty well. So I kind of got overconfident, and I actually got smashed pretty good on a wave one time up at Zuma. And, you know, that's how you drown, stuff like that, right? Well, it's the same thing with a portfolio. If you don't respect what's going on, what the market is telling you, if you just blindly say, well, I'm a long-term investor, that's how you get creamed. Yep. Now, let's talk about shorting, because what we're hearing on the phones and, and hearing from customers now, like, hey, why don't you just flip it around? Let, let's short, Ugh. take advantage of, of this market. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I, I heard the same comments 30 years ago talking to customers. I, okay. Shorting, A, is three times harder than buying long. B, it's public knowledge. So there are hunters out there trying to find the clusters of shorters and run them in. Um, C, it's, it's uh, uh, an extreme timing thing. You have to be flawless on the chart. Uh, shorting in all is significantly more difficult. Bill never let any of the portfolio managers for 35, 40 years that we managed money ever do the shorting thing with his money. He said, do whatever the hell you want with your portfolio. <laughs> you don't be shorting with company money. Um, and so there's a whole pattern. There's a way to do shorting. And it is not, oh, all of a sudden there's a downtrend. So why aren't I short? And then you go short some things and then that's day five and then they run the shorts in, right? That's a rookie mistake. You don't just look at the breaks like that. You have to know your patterns. And there are several, and IBD's done uh, stories on those, and there's plenty in our archives if you want to see those. But there are certain patterns, and you have to be perfect on your entries. Now, let's, uh, let's talk also about, let's get back to that fall through day, because now we're, we're seeing the dangers of, of a market, the psychology be, uh, of, of getting hit. But, you know, it, there's also a psychology, even if you're on the sidelines, even if you're protecting yourself, when you start seeing all this destruction, uh, it's really hard to get back in the market sometimes because uh, you just start to get conditioned that, hey, the markets can never go back up again. Nothing's going to work. Um, that's the importance when you get that signal of a falter day of waiting in and looking for something to buy. <laughs> So I'll tell you a pretty humbling story. Um, unfortunately, it's true. So uh, we had the market break in March of 2000, and then everyone, re that was the dot-bomb era, right? And then the market came back around in September and then had its real break. And it went all the way down until October of 2002, and we had a follow-through day. And I can recall through 01, now remember, the market's already beaten down quite a bit, and then we had 9-11, right? And we just keep going down and down. And I remember every couple of months, I'd throw out a 100-share probe, and it would just blow up, and it wouldn't work. And so I was demoralized by the time October 02 came around. And I remember going over to the house and... Uh, like three or four days after the follow through and my dad had the um, invested sheet and the summary from, from the accounting department. And he said, I noticed you haven't uh, purchased anything, Scott. And a few of your colleagues have not either. And I said, well, yeah, dad, every time I throw out the probe, it blows up and everything. And he looks at me and he just says, well, that's your emotions and your opinion the rules say you had a follow through day and you need to start waiting in. And I said, yeah, but nothing is working. Everything is destroyed, et cetera, et cetera. And he just said, well, that's your emotions talking. I hope you recognize that. Some other kind of in my face comment. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to emphasize to everyone, we've all been there. Okay, when you call into that market smith coach, you don't think that that market smith coach has been run over by a stock and had a great winner also and, and done the extremes on the emotions. 
that October of 02, Bill was slowly, methodically buying eBay. And he was buying and buying and buying. And there were two times where he almost went under the water on the position. So he cut loose the previous couple of days of buys. But he sat with that core position and he was building and building. And then you had the second follow through day in March of 03. Remember that, everyone? When that follow through day occurred, my father had a monster position in eBay. And then on the follow through day, as everything starts to really lift, he stomps on it. He's out on margin and the majority of his money was in this one stock. And you just sit back and you just it it was amazing when he walked me through it. And of course, when he walked me through it after the fact, he said, now, you remember you came over to the house in that October of 02? (laughs) Yeah, that's where I started buying this position. Confidence is everything. Humbling story. <laughs> exactly. Confidence is everything in the market. You've so, got to guard your confidence. Protect not only your capital, but your mental capital. So coming up next, we will go into some more Bill O'Neill stories and how he handled some of the toughest bear markets. We'll be back. I am here with Scott St. Clair. Scott's one of our senior product coaches at MarketSmith. Now, Scott, there are a ton of publicly traded stocks just on the U.S. I think it's over 5,000 stocks. Who has the time to go through all of these stocks and find the very best ones? Yeah, most people don't, right? So what you need is a tool like MarketSmith. We have decades of research on what makes a great winning stock. So we've done all the research for you. So we're going to try to highlight those specific stocks with those great data points. So if you're looking for that next great potential big winner, orange stock ideas button, you just click on it and you've got some of the main reports that we use, including the Growth 250. Yeah, and the Growth 250 is the first list that I go through on the weekends. Yeah, it's the most popular one, but there are others. There's the Breaking Out Today, Stocks Near a Pivot, and then the Blue Dot List, right, which is very popular. It's going to show you the stocks with the best relative strength. So we've done a lot of the work for you. What you have to do is review these lists. You're going to come up with some of the best ideas in that current market environment. Perfect. Mark Smith saves you time and makes investment research that much easier. For more information, go to Investors.com slash podcast 2020. We are back with Scott O'Neill on Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Okay, Scott, let's talk about, uh, let's get more into some of these stories about Bill and how he handled some of the the toughest bear markets. And it's probably it's probably appropriate to start off with 1987. Okay. Well, I would say the most important, uh, put, being able to put your emotions aside, you know, Bill had a few nicknames and the Iceman was one. <laughs> where I remember uh, back in 99 when I knew we were making real progress in the market. Let's just put it that way. And, you know, and then I walked into his office and you never really would know that we had a really awesome day, right? And then I can remember a few real punishing markets where, you know, months later, you're just going, wow, this is lousy and it won't ever get better. And you go in and you never he you just never see any difference in Bill. So this robotic nature 
and following the rules and just being systematic. The, the purpose of the rules is to remove the emotion. That's what they're there for, right? And to raise your probabilities based on, on prior research. So 87, all right, uh, that I was around then. Um, I can remember that uh, about six weeks before that uh, Monday break, if everyone remembers, we were down on Friday, about 150 on the Dow. And then that Monday, it broke wide open and did the 504 points, I so think tw- it was. 20 plus percent, like 25% or something like that. Yes. Um, <clears throat> we were out of that market six weeks, give or take, right around there prior to that break. Now, I'm not saying that as I said earlier, that I think we're so smart, we just followed rules. Now, back then, it was mostly my father. And he backed away because there was too much distribution. And of course, a lot of times when you look at a chart where it starts weakening, you will get this this, uh, false move into new high. You'll get a false positive, and then it kind of collapses on you. And that's all by design. Remember, the market is designed to fool us. So uh, he had, a, I believe it was Black & Decker. He had 1,000 shares of Black & Decker. It was very thinly traded. It was not a very expensive stock. And so I think he had that um, up to the break or during the break. So he basically was 99 point whatever percent out of the market. Mm-hmm. And it was by monitoring distribution days. Uh, 2000, the same thing. Now, 2000 was a little different in that um, 87 had a nice run and then broke. 2000 was that euphoric run. And I remember some of the great stocks we had, Schwab and AOL back then, and then we rolled those gains into Qualcomm. And and at one point, it, it's amazing, all the PMs and Bill had quite a bit of Qualcomm, and most of them, Qualcomm was their biggest position. Uh, so it's, it's safe to say that the company was pretty focused on that stock. And it goes into a climax top. In fact, on Climax Tops, if you want to study those, in our opinion, the best window of time that uh, has the most Climax Tops was that late 99, 2000 year. Uh, And when they break off the top, especially with a Climax, but pretty much all market tops, they will break very hard. And so you could easily give back 10, 15, even 20% off the top if you're not responding to distribution. And the reason most people miss this is because you get distribution on the way up. It isn't the distribution on the way down. That's too late. So you start to see distribution accumulating on the way up. IBD, go back and look at uh, the March of 2000 issue at the top Uh, when the market topped, the NASDAQ, IBD nailed this perfectly. They were throwing out red flags. Caution, caution, watch out. Um, And here are the reasons why. Day one, day two, day three. Um, And and so now, so we're 2000, you know, and one story that Bill always loves to tell is he didn't have to tell any of his PMs to get out of the market. They, they were following the system, and, and they were lightening up all right near the top. 
Uh, that's a true uh, statement. And also uh, for 2020, right now, all of our PMs moved aside on their own. Now, they didn't move completely out in one day. They were responding to what, you know, the market was looking really good. And then all of a sudden it starts breaking. So they were responding as it's coming down. So we weren't perfect either, but it's how long does it take you to get out? Because you could clearly see the downward momentum was really building. And then there's another critical aspect of this. You do not get back in until it's time to get back in. So again, back to Arusha's point on, well, I want to make my money back or, you know, I got to make a trade. I love the high. I got to do it. Those are the people that get hurt. And so patience is a big deal here. Okay. So that was 2000. Yep. Um, 08. 08 very interesting because 07 was a phenomenal year, if everyone remembers. And then the market topped in November 07. And I clearly remember that top day and it reversed off the top. And all of us PMs were up a lot. It was a very big year, 07. And so partly because we wanted to preserve our gains and we had seen like you get the reversal top in 2000, what might happen. And then also the distribution day count, we backed away, but that time we backed away much more aggressively. I, I would compare it to throwing buckets overboard wholesale. Uh, we, were, we were selling uh, blocks all day um, on that November reversal day at the top. Now, we had no idea 08 was going to materialize. Nobody knew that it was going to be that bad. But what you did know was that the trend had changed and we were going to go down. So we start getting defensive, regardless of our opinions on whatever, between stocks, economy and everything, it doesn't matter. That trend is going down and you need to shift your thinking and back away. And the same thing just occurred in the last couple of weeks. The PMs on their own did the same thing. They backed away and we were fairly invested um, out on margin. So uh, and, and we're still and we're up on the year. Uh, and yes, we did have a give back, but we're out. Yeah. And and, and it's, it's kind of funny where you have that give back. And you're upset at that point. And, and it's very easy sometimes round tripping. You might have been up 10%, 15%, and now you're back to zero. You're back in cash. You're upset. But then a couple of weeks later, kind of like now, you're, you're Feeling grateful. Feeling pretty yeah. good. Yeah, exactly, for the rules. That's right. And, of course, by doing that, you're outperforming uh, the indexes, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, one thing that I learned from you is that and that really you know, made my uh, – re really made an impression was that Bill was rarely out of the markets. Mm. Now, he was mainly out, but he would always be probing. Now, and, of course, in a market like this, maybe he'd be completely out. But uh, Yeah, he would be completely out. Uh, but he, but for a lot of other corrections, always testing, probing. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a good um, point. It, um, it's really, I could sum it up, to maintain that feel. That's really what that's about. 
okay? And it doesn't matter if it's 100 shares or 1,000 shares. It's to have something, you know, occasionally there'll be, a, let's say we're in an uptrend and I've got five, six stocks and there's one that I kind of like, but it's not quite ready. I might buy 100 shares just so it raises that um, profile in my mind and I'm keeping a closer the worst thing in the world is a stock gets away from you and you were watching it, but you weren't really watching it, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, that happens to us too, folks. <laughs> um, so it, it, it's about maintaining the field. That's why anyone listening, my advice is the worst thing to do right now is to tune out, okay? And, and to all of a sudden say, oh, this isn't going to work and I can't do this and I'm just going to, you know, put it down for six months and then pick it back up. That's the worst thing because you lose your feel. And when is the most money made in the market? From the beginning. And what is the follow through day system designed to do? Get you in at the beginning. Well, OK, so if you catch the follow through day, but you don't have a fresh watch list or you don't have a feel you're now disadvantaged. And so when you put all of those together, you can put together a couple of phenomenal years of returns just by getting those steps right. And, and the reason he would always stay in the market, the way he told me, Arusha, a couple of times growing up was, I am very rarely ever out of the market completely. And, and, and as I said, a market like this, yes, he would be out, we're out, uh, we're doing it right, but he would usually maintain a little uh, position here or there for the feel. Yeah, and and one thing, once you learn how to manage your risk, once you learn to get out the markets when they really get in trouble, you learn to love corrections, right? Yes, and that's a whole other topic. That's correct. We actually like corrections. Yeah. I, I have, I've always said, like Market Smith Investor Business Daily, the whole O'Neill organization, during corrections and re really tough corrections, it's actually a pretty happy place here because our money is on the sidelines. We, we've protected ourselves. And now we're just waiting for those opportunities to set up. And we're focusing on other projects and, and you know, uh, doing research and, and, and preparing. Yeah, our portfolio managers right now are re reviewing um, model book uh, model books, looking at model book stocks when the market did something like this, and they c came into you know all stocks can go down, and what did it look like when the market came out of it? And that's what I would be looking at right now. I would be laser on high relative strength stocks, the ones that are fighting this because the ones that are fighting this the best are going to be the most interesting ideas on the other side, right? Exactly. And now Bill was also so disciplined that he would watch the market every day, even during a bear. Correct. That's right. Every day. Uh, which is which is amazing. It's what human nature is. Oh, let me just walk away, take a break, things like that. But he would be focused, looking at and trying to figure out what stocks are, are holding up the best. Yes, he's watching the market, maintaining the feel. And you know, here's an extremely disciplined individual that doesn't get tempted with like we had. What was it last week with that fake follow through right, day? Right. Exactly. He doesn't get tempted. Even when it gets close, he's still waiting for that rule to get triggered. But yes, he watch, watches the, for 50 years, watch the market every day. 
So I think we should end this episode with with a little bit of positivity here, because obviously it is a little depressing uh, when the markets are going the correction, even though that's part of the cycle. So one thing that, you know, Bill was always was he was positive. He's always an optimist. He's never met a successful pessimist. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because that positivity you know, kept up hope and you're always looking for that next great stock when the time was right. Well, the uh, the saying I heard a couple times growing up is, um, well, Scott, I never met a, a successful negative person. Um, and then, of course, he had sayings along those lines regarding stocks and the stock market. And this is why, Arusha, we emphasize do not let the market get into you and take heavy losses. And, and that whole piece that we've already talked about, um, we like corrections because A, we sit on the sidelines and B, we watch what's happening because the new leaders are, are, are presenting themselves. It's are you picking that up? And there are a handful of clues in this situation where clearly you're going to look at NVIDIA, for instance. Now, I'm not predicting anything, but that's a stock. Look at where it is relative to uh, others in the group, relative to the indexes. Okay, the indexes are down below the 200-day, aren't they? Uh, they are, let me, yeah, they yeah, are. They are, they're yes. all down there. All right. Where's NVIDIA? Has it followed suit? No, there's divergence there. Yeah. That, by the way, that was a big word for my father. He was always looking for divergence. You know, where's the unusual strength? Where's the outlier that's just leaving the others behind? So the positive aspect is this is the time to focus on uh, stocks and the market and not act on it. Keep your list fresh. Exactly. Relative strength is, is the key. And in the end, the reason why this always works is the entrepreneurs, they're always creating. They're, they're, they're not going to let a correction get them down. They're working hard at their companies. They're trying to create better services and better products to make our lives easier. And, and those companies start to come back to the surface when the markets are back in an uptrend. Yeah, and, and in a good uptrend, you start getting a lot more IPOs, right? Exactly. So now new merchandise is becoming available. Yeah, it, it's actually positive. The stock market's a positive thing. It's just a very difficult animal that most people, uh, and it's designed to fool us, so most people don't exactly know how to work it. Well, uh, the way you're able to survive and thrive in the market is with rules and obviously using IBD and, and MarketSmith. So there are a few stories that are worth listening to again and again. Thanks, Scott, for joining us. You're welcome. We will have Scott back in a few weeks, and we will then talk about uptrends because no matter how bad it looks now, the markets are going to eventually turn uh, and overcome this correction, and there's going to be a tremendous opportunity for all of us to capitalize on. So that's it for this week on Investing with IBD. Next week, we will have Jeffrey Hirsch on the podcast. He is the CEO and editor-in-chief of the Stock Traders Almanac. And so thanks, everyone. This has been a great first year of the podcast. And, uh, and Alyssa's uh, br bringing us uh, cupcakes here. So thank you, Alyssa. Uh, so I'm Arusha Paris, and thanks for listening. 
This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.